I don't know if he caved, but 35 days after he shut the government down, he walked away with absolutely nothing. Yes. He caved, Congressman. He caved. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From the Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK People Powered Radio 90.7 FM in LA. 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also up in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and in Eugene on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, and Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, in Goldendale, Washington on KVGD, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day, giving you absolutely no excuses for not listening to us five days a week on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst other fine affiliates. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Very quickly, speaking of, a quick thanks to those of you who have helped bradblog.com celebrate our 15th anniversary over the past few days. It was officially late last week. Uh, but my thanks to those who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate in those days since to help keep us going. Thank you for your great support as we'll uh, be celebrating, if that's the right word, Desi Doyen, uh, for a week or so. <laughs> I think that's the least we can do after 15 years. Okay, there you go. Uh, we, we couldn't uh, continue to do what we have done for all of these years without the help of listeners and readers. So thanks to those who have jumped in with a one-time donation or even better, a monthly subscription. Uh, your support is greatly appreciated, very much needed. So I wanted to uh, mention as much right off the bat. Some breaking news within the past hour or so. Nancy Pelosi, you've heard of her, Speaker of the House. She has now invited Donald Trump to deliver his State of the Union address on February 5. Desi Doyen, you got that written down? Desi, yes, uh, unfortunately uh, I do. I was oh. kind of enjoying not having to listen to that, but unfortunately know. we will have to do it anyway. I know. So if you had any plans for that night, Des, you got to cancel them. Uh, at least I guess you do. We'll have to pay attention. It was going to be on Tuesday night. She rescinded the invitation uh, during the government shutdown. Now it is set for Tuesday, February 5. I, for one, cannot wait. Totally lying. 
totally lying when I say that. Uh, the longest federal government, however, a federal government shutdown, however, in history is now over. That's good news following Trump's complete collapse cave folding like his cheap, poorly tailored suits on Friday. Uh, whatever you want to call it, we uh, we may have yet another one three weeks from now, which we'll discuss in a bit, uh, along with your calls at 818-985-5735. But um, that's 818-985-KPFK. I'll get to those in a while. Uh, but while the shutdown may be over for now, its costs to the American people and to the U.S. economy economy are just being uh, tallied up. On Friday, Reuters reported that the U.S. economy had lost at least $6 billion during the partial shutdown of the government due to lost productivity from furloughed workers and economic activity lost to outside businesses. Um, That, according to S&P Global Ratings. S&P said in a news release that although this shutdown has ended, little agreement on Capitol Hill will likely weigh on um, on business confidence and financial market sentiments. Indeed, the stock market went over a bit of a cliff at its opening on uh, on Monday morning, plummeting about 300 points at one point. I uh, haven't looked at it over the past hour since it's closed. Um, but the uh, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, or CBO, came out with similar-ish numbers today to that from uh, S&P on the cost to the economy of Trump's 35-day shutdown meant to get $5.7 billion to begin building his southern border wall. And the numbers from CBO were worse by one measure and uh, much worse, uh, but less worse by another measure still. So the federal government shutdown has cost the economy $11 billion, according to this new analysis from the nonpartisan CBO, reflecting lost output from federal workers, delayed government spending, and reduced demand. The report, which was released today, estimated a hit of $3 billion or 0.1% to economic activity during the fourth quarter of 2018, thanks to the shutdown. And the impact was projected to be greater still during the first quarter of 2019, $8 billion or 0.2% of GDP. Although most of the damage to the economy will be reversed as federal workers return to their jobs, according to the CBO, they estimated $3 billion in economic activity is permanently lost. Among those who experience the largest and most direct uh, negative effects are federal workers and private sector entities that lost business, according to the report. Some of those private sector entities will never recoup the lost income from the shutdown. The analysis does not incorporate some indirect, uh, some other indirect effects from the shutdown, like the halt in some federal permitting and reduced uh, access to loans. However, it suggests that businesses were beginning to postpone investment and hiring decisions as a result of the shutdown, and it warned that the risks risks were becoming quote increasingly significant as the impasse dragged on. Now, that is likely just one of many reasons we discussed on uh, Friday's broadcast for Trump's sudden cave 
on Friday afternoon. There were uh, there were a bunch of reasons, from the economic costs to the fact that the airports like LaGuardia in New York were forced to delay flights due to lack of air traffic controllers that delayed flights up and down the eastern seaboard. As a result, 14,000 IRS workers were not showing up for work despite tax season, which officially begins this week. And perhaps the most important reason for Trump to try and uh, take back the news cycle on Friday, two troubling, at least two troubling news reports for him. One was that NBC exclusive reporting that his son-in-law and top advisor, Jared Kushner, and at least 30 other, 30 other Trump administration officials had had their top secret security clearances rejected by career officials at the FBI, only then to be overridden by a Trump appointee. Uh, And granted this top secret security clearance, even though the people who have worked there for years and years said, no, uh, Jared Kushner should absolutely not have access to top secret information based on his record, based on his dealings with uh, foreign nations, based on his, his, his own personal uh, economic issues. So that was one reason. The other was, of course, the arrest by uh, Robert Mueller's special counsel probe of longtime friend, confidant, supporter, whatever you want to call him, dirty trickster, Roger Stone, who is charged with uh, seven federal felonies, including obstruction of official proceedings, lying to Congress, witness tampering, all related to his dealings with WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks and hacked DNC emails before the 2016 election. So that's a good reason for Trump to want to try to change the subject on Friday. And he did, uh, at least to uh, a certain amount. Um, But I'm interested in your thoughts on why Trump caved on Friday and if he caved as you see it. Uh, A lot of Trump supporters are claiming, I want to say pretending, but claiming that he is uh, somehow playing some uh, brilliant uh, game of chess here and he's got some great scheme that he's uh, luring Nancy Pelosi into his trap. Uh, in any event, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts, uh, whatever they happen to be. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. We'll get to those and much more in a bit. The uh, CBO's annual report, by the way, also looked at the impact of the Trump administration's protectionist trade policies on the economy, estimating that new tariffs on imports and exports will shave another average of 0.1% from economic growth uh, through 2029. Overall, the CBO projected economic growth will slow this year to 2.3%. That's compared with the 3.1% last year as the benefits as uh, CNBC describes them, largely to corporations and rich people from Donald Trump and the Republicans' uh, tax cuts as those so-called benefits begin to fade. Through 2023, growth is expected to average 1.7 percent. That is below the CBO's estimate of the economy's potential growth. So this comes thanks to Donald Trump and his, uh, and his trade policies. You'll recall Trump had promised that the GDP would grow at four or five or maybe even six percent year over year 
if he was elected. This year, uh, if the CBO is right, it'll be closer to two points, two uh, percent instead. Well, close, but no cigar, Mr. President. Um, but with the uh, insanely busy news day on Friday, I had to push off a couple of stories that I wanted to get to uh, that I want to try to make sure to get to today. Um, because they're important and they'll disappear as so much does into the ether if I don't hit them. Um, Florida's Florida is one of the uh, one of the few states that where and maybe the only state I'm not sure, but certainly one of the few states where the Secretary of State is actually named is actually appointed by the governor, not elected by the people or even by the state legislature, as is the case in in uh, in some states. But it is handpicked. The secretary of state, whoever that person is going to be, is handpicked by the governor himself or herself. Florida's previous Republican governor, now Senator Rick Scott, had selected a guy by the name of Ken Detzner to be his secretary of state. He's been the secretary of state there in Florida for years. He tried several times throughout his his tenure and usually failed thanks to courts and laws and pushback from election officials. But he had tried many times to purge hundreds of thousands of voters from the rolls. Uh, who both Detzner and Governor Scott at the time had falsely claimed were non-citizens registered to vote. Well, after last November's midterm elections, as you'll recall, there was a very close race for governor and, in fact, uh, there was a record four statewide recounts for governor, for governor, U.S. senator, uh, and and two other offices. I think it was Agriculture Commission and uh, Labor Commissioner, if I recall, in Florida. They'd never had uh, even one statewide count, but they had four all at the same time. Now, the very Trumpy Congressman Ron DeSantis, he ended up winning uh, edging out Democratic uh, candidate Andrew Gillum for governor, according to the state's voting systems and to the automated machine recount of the state's hand-marked paper ballots last year. So DeSantis, he recently appointed his own secretary of state, the former supervisor of elections in Seminole County, a guy by the name of Mike Ertel, who at least... I guess sort of to DeSantis's credit here, at least this guy Ertel had some experience as an election official, as the elected supervisor of elections in Seminole County. Well, just days after that appointment last week, Florida's newly appointed secretary of state, Mike Ertel, suddenly announced his resignation on Thursday of last week. This after a 2005 photo of the guy dressed in blackface and mocking Hurricane Katrina victims had surfaced. Well, that is hilarious. Mind you, this was the photo was taken in 2005. So this is just months after thousands of people, largely African-Americans in New Orleans, had died from Hurricane Katrina. The photo was obtained by the paper uh, Tallahassee Democrat. It shows uh, the secretary of state with with brown face paint, red lipstick, earrings and a New Orleans uh, Saints bandana. He had fake breasts under a purple shirt that said Katrina victim, according to the paper. That's hilarious, isn't it? 
And this was the guy who was named the Secretary of State of Florida. The photo was apparently from a private Halloween party back in uh, 2005, just after Katrina had devastated New Orleans. Florida's Department of State confirmed the resignation late last week. They uh, did not respond to questions about the photo. Ertel was appointed uh, by the new governor just on December 28. Uh, And now he's already gone. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, He acknowledged uh, DeSantis acknowledged the resignation during a news conference uh, last Thursday, saying that he thought Ertel had regretted the incident. Well, I guess he does. DeSantis said, I've got to have an administration that's going to be focused on what matters to Floridians. And I don't want to get mired into kind of side controversies. So I felt it was just to best to, you know, just accept the resignation and move on. Well, for a guy who claims to not want side controversies, DeSantis sure seems to have stepped into a side controversy in South Florida, in Palm Beach County specifically. You'll recall that during those those four statewide recounts uh, last year, which the state of Florida had to uh, had to pull off in like five days or so under Florida's ridiculous recount laws, uh, and they had to do them all at the same time. You'll recall back then Governor Rick Scott, who was himself running for U.S. Senate, one of those recounts, Um, Rick Scott, along with Donald Trump, falsely claimed that Broward County Supervisor of Elections Brenda Snipes, this is a very Democratic part of the state, South Florida, Broward County, that uh, Snipes was somehow stealing the election from Rick Scott. Now, in fact, she wasn't. But the numbers across the state and particularly in Democratic areas, they got tighter and tighter as late incoming absentee ballots, et cetera, actually got tallied. So they had to somehow discredit the counts by claiming that it was fake, that uh, there was massive fraud going on after Scott eventually was named the winner of that U.S. Senate race, uh, the you know, uh, as a Republican senator. Um And after DeSantis was named the new Republican governor of the state, after all of that, he suspended Brenda Snipes in Broward, Rick Scott did, and replaced her with his own preferred Republican supervisor. Mind you, in Florida, supervisors of elections are elected by the people in each county. But a provision in state law allows the governor to replace a supervisor if there is gross misconduct of some kind or another. And Scott pretended there was gross misconduct and replaced uh, Brenda Snipes. Now, Brenda Snipes over the years was not a great election official. But uh, as far as, you know, committing the fraud that Scott was uh, uh, complaining about, was claiming, no, there was no such evidence. And yet he moved her out, puts in a Republican, as we all now barrel toward the uh, toward the 2020 presidential election. So now, as that happens, there will be a Republican in charge of deeply Democratic leaning Broward County elections. But that is not all. First, it was Brenda Snipes in Broward County, the election chief chief there, suspended by Rick Scott and replaced with, by the way, replaced with his top lawyer. A shady right wing guy uh, by the name of Pete Antonacci. He will now be running elections in Broward County. So uh, with that, 
Uh, now, the new Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, comes in and Ron DeSantis has suspended Susan Booker. The Palm Beach supervisor of elections, also a heavily Democratic district in the state of Florida, the swing state of Florida. DeSantis named a woman named uh, Wendy Link, another top Republican, to be Susan Booker's replacement in Palm Beach. So we've got two partisan Republicans having now been installed to replace elected Democrats in both of Florida's largest Democratic counties. Two Republicans in the Democratic areas that will now oversee the 2020 elections. Uh, so, uh, as Semdem over at Daily Coast uh, pointed out, uh, this means that two puppet Republicans will get to determine where polling pla- polling stations will be and where they won't be. They will, uh, he charges, they will likely block the implementation of Amendment 4. That was uh, passed last November, had to pass by more than 60 percent of the vote, and it did. Uh, Amendment 4 is uh, supposed to kick in automatically to guarantee former felons, felons who have served their time, now guarantee them the right to vote, to register and vote. DeSantis has promised to stall Amendment 4, and so now he's got some apparatchiks who, if he wants to, in both Broward and uh, uh, Palm Beach, can do exactly that. And you'll recall, zero evidence, but Donald Trump and Rick Scott both declared there was massive fraud in Palm Beach and Broward counties to set the table for what has just happened to little notice from the public. Uh, The uh, fraud charges that they made at the time, uh, PolitiFact pointed out, were complete nonsense. They uh, reported back then, uh, while there have been problems in Broward, that's not the same as actual fraud. It's normal for counting the ballots to continue for days under state law. They had until noon Saturday following the election uh, to do it. Uh, Snipes, uh, and they noted at the time that Snipes' counterpart in Palm Beach, Susan Booker, who still had a job at the time as the elected supervisor of elections there, she had responded to Scott uh, falsely claiming that there was fraud by saying, uh, quote, I think it's unfortunate that some of our highest elected leaders in the country are trying to impede our democracy because they don't like the demographics of our voters. We are here to count ballots. We have to adhere to the laws. I would suspect that they really don't understand the process, she said. Well, whether they understand it or not, they don't care to understand it. They have reason to Uh, act like they don't understand it in any case so that they can undermine the voters of Florida by pulling out these two elected election officials from two of the most Democratic areas of Florida, a state which can swing an entire presidential election. Donald Trump, one of his tweets from uh, back in November, while the counting was going on, Donald Trump, president of the United States, put out a statement that said the Florida election should be called in favor of Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis in that large numbers of new ballots showed up out of nowhere and many ballots are missing or forged. It's the president of the United States making this claim with no evidence whatsoever, zero, none. He went on to say in this tweet, an honest vote count is no longer possible 
ballots massively infected must go with election night totals. So, no, no ballots showed up out of nowhere. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement, under Rick Scott, um, his own FDLE uh, people, they both they there was election monitors that he had sent to Broward County. And those election monitors said, nope, no signs, no evidence of nothing of fraud here in Broward County. Now, DeSantis said that he was primarily suspending Booker for failing to complete the election count in a timely fashion. Now, you'll recall, uh, if you listen to this show, because we talked about it a lot on this show before the end of the year and, and certainly in the days following the November election and during these uh, this unprecedented four-race statewide race uh, recount in Florida. You'll recall that while that counting was going on, we had on this show Ion Sancho, the uh, former supervisor of elections in Leon County. That's Tallahassee, the capital of Florida, Leon County, uh, who is uh, Ion Sancho is sort of a legendary election director in the state of Florida. He is uh, so respected by all sides of the aisle that he was tapped as the guy to oversee the 2000 presidential election recount that ended up being aborted by the U.S. Supreme Court. But he was put in charge of overseeing that. I had Ion on this show at the time as these uh, recounts from the uh, 2018 midterm were going on. And he predicted outright, in fact, that it would be impossible for Palm Beach County to finish in the allotted time those uh, those recounts under Susan Booker. He said it would be impossible because their voting machines simply could not physically count that many ballots in the time given before state law requires that this automated uh, uh, machine count be done in four different contests in this a ridiculously short window of time that Florida law allows. Here was Ion Sancho on the broadcast back in, uh, I think it was uh, November, what was it here? November 12, 2018. Poor Palm Beach. The system that, that uh, Susan Booker has in Palm Beach County, which was purchased by a prior supervisor of elections, Arthur Anderson, mm-hmm. cannot physically do this job. Susan's technology, she's going to have to run it for every statewide race. She'll have to run over 650,000 ballots to get a governor's count, over 650,000 to get a Senate count, over 600,000 to do the agricultural office. I don't know that she can do that 1.8 million ballots yeah. uh, by the noon, by, by the Thursday deadline. And sure enough, Susan Booker in Palm Beach could not run all those ballots just physically, even if the machines weren't old and breaking down along the way. Even if they were working, she couldn't have run those ballots. And that is the pretext that the new Republican governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, has now used to remove the elected supervisor of elections in Palm Beach County, Florida. An extraordinary power grab, and almost no one is talking about it. I don't, I don't know if you've heard about it or not. So that's why I want to make sure you do know about it. Now, Booker is appealing the matter. I had uh, hoped to have her on the show last week. It's one of the reasons I also hadn't covered it earlier, because I was trying to work out a time to have uh, Susan Booker on the show. She's been on this on the show several times over the years. 
Uh, unfortunately, her new attorney has now asked her not to speak uh, at this time to the media. She is challenging this uh, this outrageous power grab. She's uh, very popular in Palm Beach County. She's been elected the supervisor of elections there for about a decade now. Um but the fact that they have now replaced both uh, both Snipes and Booker, despite no legitimate reason to do so, should make you very concerned. Florida Democratic Party Chair Terry Rizzo released a statement saying, quote, in the United States, our elections are sacred and our election supervisors are democratically elected. At least they are in Florida. At least they used to be until the governor decided to. Push him out. Uh, Rizzo says the governor's recent power grab removing Democrats from elected positions, including Susan Booker, should be seen for what it is, a gross overreach and a politically motivated move to consolidate power and obstruct the will of the people. And it's not just Democrats uh, who are outraged about this, justifiably, in Florida. The Palm Beach Post editorial board is calling out DeSantis for this outrageous power grab in Florida. They wrote last week, in removing Susan Booker from the post of Palm Beach County election supervisor, Governor Ron DeSantis has exacted Republicans' revenge for recounts that, for several days, seemed to endanger in eventual victories for Rick Scott and DeSantis himself, In November's elections and in taking the sudden step, they write DeSantis plunged a dagger into the election process that we all count on to be fair and neutral. They note no one stole anything. All that happened was a steadily declining vote count for the Republicans as slow to arrive absentee ballots were being counted in heavily Democratic counties. But that and an ugly recount that was maddeningly lengthened by machinery breakdowns in Booker's office have been mythologized into incendiary attack lines. DeSantis's new secretary of state, Michael Ertel of Seminole County, well, this was written before Ertel got pushed out because he was making fun of Hurricane Sandy victims. Um, He I'm sorry, Hurricane Katrina victims. Thank you. Um. He wrote in uh, in a letter urging Booker to be removed. He said voters in Palm Beach County have suffered from what I can only describe as a fear of what will happen next. Well, one thing that happened next was Ertel was pushed out. uh, For wearing blackface, Ertel, the secretary of state of Florida, chosen by DeSantis, he was pushed out, thankfully, But so was Susan Booker, who was actually elected by the people. Congressman Matt Gates, the far right Republican uh, from the Florida panhandle, uh, who seems to have a direct line into DeSantis's ear, according to the Palm Beach Post, matched the snark uh, by saying, anyone else tired of being embarrassed by Palm Beach County during elections? Well, anybody else in this country tired of being embarrassed by Florida Republicans during elections? And not during elections. The uh, the papers, uh, the editorial board says those of us who have dealt with Booker in her 10 years as Palm Beach County's election chief knows that the uh, charge of incompetence is bunk. And so is the notion that she let partisanship, let alone a lack of ethics, mar her conduct of elections in this sprawling county of one point four million people. 
On a personal note, I will mention, uh, as I said, Book, uh, Booker has been on this show uh, a number of times over the years and, frankly, has been one of the most responsive and knowledgeable election officials that I have dealt with in 15 years of covering elections uh, at bradblog.com and here on the broadcast. The editorial board goes on to say it looks like the ballot counting problems of last November gave Republican leaders an excuse to rid themselves of a longtime thorn in their side. A consistent advocate for wider voting participation, Booker has repeatedly opposed Republican efforts to purge voter rolls and limit early voting dates. More than once, she fought ill-considered directives from the secretary of state by citing an impeccable knowledge of the election laws. They say, has Booker made mistakes as election supervisor? Of course, but nothing so egregious as to warrant this, warrant this act of political opportunism. What's more, she's an elected official. The voters should decide. The voters should decide if her errors are so egregious as to deprive her of reelection. For DeSantis to usurp the voters' judgment in this manner smacks of overreach and an abuse of power that steps all over home rule. Yeah, tell me something I didn't know about what Republicans are now willing to do in order to hang on to power. Uh, they conclude, the paper does, by uh, saying that highly respected by her peers, Booker has been a hardworking public servant. Her blunt speech and brusque manner are not to everyone's taste. But as we've said before, she has never shown anything but dedication and integrity to the voters of this, co uh, of this county. She does, she does not deserve this blatantly partisan bums rush from a fledgling governor. Well, this fledgling governor is picking up where the last one, Rick Scott, left off, it looks like. So it's going to take an all-out effort to overcome whatever is headed Florida's way in the 2020 presidential election in order to overcome whatever the GOP will be doing, will be doing, uh, to try to hang on to the state, particularly with 1.4 million potential new voters from Amendment 4, former felons, many of them African-Americans who will now be allowed to register and vote, who are now allowed to register and vote in Florida, at least in theory. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, there's a reason why Republicans are freaked out and are willing to grab power away from the voters uh, in order to affect the 2020 election, which is barreling towards us. So, uh, OK, we didn't get the chance uh, to open the phones on our last show uh, as I wanted to uh, to discuss the uh, the shutdown as Trump pretended that he made a deal to reopen the government. Uh, let's take a quick break and come back to talk about uh, that uh, so-called deal. It was no deal. It was the deal was to basically to do what both Republicans and Democrats alike had agreed to do last December before all of this madness began. So I want to get your thoughts on why you think Trump finally rolled over to Nancy Pelosi, who stood strong throughout this. Um, why did he roll over to the Democrats in order to reopen the government for just three weeks until February 15, at which time he may choose to close it again or even declare a national emergency? Uh, I'd love your calls on that and any of this uh, stuff out of Florida or anywhere else. Anything you want to talk about. Always good to hear from you. Your calls on the end of the shutdown. 
Uh, why did Trump do it? Will he do it again in a few weeks? Uh, or will he declare a national emergency? Or will something else finally happen? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. If you'd like to ring in, I'd love to hear from you. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is The Bradcast. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. won't. Can't speak for Donald Trump, however. He did back down. He did cave on Friday in this government shutdown, which has now been reopened. That has led to, uh, Desi Doyen, you say that uh, Washington Post confirms that Trump has now uh, He's now accepted Speaker Pelosi's invitation to do the State of the Union in the House chambers on on February 5th. As you had said before, it's now been accepted, so it's on. It's on. I know you're happy about that. Don't be so excited, Desi Doyen. Um, the, uh, we'll take your calls on all of this. Uh, why, why do you think, uh, Donald Trump turned tail after promising he wouldn't? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Do you think Trump will shut down the government again on February 15 in three weeks? Uh, or will he declare a national emergency or will something else happen? Federal employees are now turning on their office lights as of today and their computers. They're reopening the national parks, cleaning them out and the museums uh, for the first time in weeks today. But there are other employees, uh, those employed, uh, those government contractors who still face uncertainty over when they will resume work. Wasn't just the 800,000 federal employees that were knocked out. It was also a whole bunch of private contractors. And they were not given uh, any confirmation by Congress that they would get paid for that time lost. For the hundreds of thousands of people who work for the private companies that support government, AP reports, the future will be decided in part by how quickly federal agencies get up and back running after the record 35-day shutdown. It will also uh, be up to the fine print of contracts and the kindness of strangers. For example, Michelle Oler in my old hometown of St. Louis resorted to online fundraising to try to pay bills when she was sidelined from her contracting job processing rural uh, rural development claims for the Agriculture Department. Contractors like her, unlike federal employees, were not promised back pay. And frankly, she is not likely to get any. She's still unsure when she will resume her work or receive money to compensate for the um, for the missed paychecks. Oler said on Sunday, uh, quote, the estimate of what I've lost financially due to the shutdown is upwards of thirty five hundred dollars. The anxiety, sleeplessness and depression make it feel much worse than that. Her GoFundMe page that she set up, sadly, has only brought in fifty dollars. 
Kevin Doyle, a father of three, estimated he's out about $5,000 from his contracting job as an encryption specialist at Laughlin Air Force Base on the Texas-Mexico border. He said he didn't sleep uh, for weeks. He didn't sleep well. He lost weight during the shutdown as the stress and all the bills piled up. He's returning to work on Monday, but he starts a new job on Friday with another company that he hopes will now be more stable if talks fail over Trump's demand for money for a wall and another shutdown begins just three weeks from now. There's a lot of people who are having second thoughts about working for this government at all. The partial government shutdown uh, ended on Friday when uh, Trump backed off his demand for $5.7 billion for a U.S.-Mexico wall for now. But he did not strike a deal, as he pretended at his Friday remarks, that uh, one media outlet outlet after another, uh, Trump makes announces deal. It was not a deal. It was a capitulation. He backed down. He caved. He agreed to do what pretty much everyone had already been asking him to do before Christmas, before all of this pain to all of these federal workers, to all of these contractors, to all of their families. That uh, I think it was Friday we talked about that 10-year-old girl who broke her wrist uh, sledding yes. uh, in Virginia, but her dad had told her, hey, guys, we're going to have to buckle down. No, we're going to tighten the belt. No extra expenses. No extra exp- expenses. She goes out sle- uh, sleigh riding on a snow day, breaks her wrist, and she's afraid to tell her mom and dad for a week. She suffered in silence Yes, because she was... It's just so terrified. She did get medical treatment, by the way, just so that's clear that she good did news. eventually get good. There. Good news. Yeah. But it took her a week uh, with with these fractures, with this fractured wrist, not willing to say anything about it because she was so scared she'd be in trouble. And yes, that pain could return in uh, just three weeks, not the pain of her wrist, but the pain to the country of another government shutdown. Um The existing continuing resolution that was signed within hours after Trump's announcement on Friday after his cave, um, that continues only through February 15. Uh, At least, um, you know, this could once again happen three weeks from now. Or he could declare a national emergency. Will he? I'd love your calls, your predictions, your punditizing, whatever you want to call it, uh, or any other thoughts on the shutdown and why Trump decided to end it finally on Friday and whether he'll do it again in February. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to uh, L in uh, in Palm. Is that uh, Palm Palm Beach, Palm Springs? Hey, L, welcome <laughs> to the broadcast. Where are you? Oh, uh, I'm on the road here. Okay. Drive safely. What's on your mind? So I think the shutdown, um, the timing of it was such that um, Roger Stone, who concocted the whole wall scheme, um, wouldn't be knocked off the front page when he was arrested. And it worked, didn't it? It kind of knocked him off the front pages that day on Friday. That's yeah. that to me was was clearly what he was uh, what he was trying to do. All of the other stuff he could deal with, but yeah. This was and and I, and you're you're right. Ironically, it was Roger Stone uh, reportedly who was uh, trying to get Donald Trump to re- reference a wall, building a wall across the southern border during the campaign to remind him to talk about immigration. So it would set off the racist dog whistles uh, <laughs> back in uh, 2016. Uh, hey, thanks. Al. So it, Palmdale, Palm Beach, where uh, all it says is Palm. 
Well, Palms is right next to Culver City. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, local. Oh, I so there is somewhere called Palm. I appreciate it, Al. Drive safely out there. Thanks for the call. 818 985 Why do you think Donald Trump shut down the government, and will he do it again? Don in Los Angeles. Hey, Don, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. How you doing? Hang um, in. You know, I, I think the, an article in Politico kind of broke it down as to why the immediate reason why he uh, caved is that um, he was depending upon uh, unity in the uh, Republican Senate, and they're about to bolt because of all the pressure on them from their constituents. Yeah. That would have been a big embarrassment. And so he did, to avoid that vote, he just uh, caved in to save his hand for February 15th. And what really bothers me about this whole thing is that I think that there's a big power struggle going on behind the scenes uh, between, like, you know, Mueller's people on one side and, and Trump's backers. It's his backers that bother me. They're, they're mobsters. And um, just like the DeSantos is doing this aggressive move now in Florida, I mean, it's outright aggression mm-hmm. and breaking the rule of law. And these people really play for keeps. And, um, yep. They, they actually have a background in the Soviet Union of having enforced uh, contract hits and stuff in the gulags and all that. And they're, and they're terrorizing Brighton Beach in New York. They're actually more of a Jewish mob than a Russian mob. And, and they're the ones that put them in power. And they're very, very professional in what they're doing. It's, uh, this is a very, very dangerous situation. I think it's got one way beyond just uh, a wall. That's just an excuse. Hmm. I'm kind of worried, actually. He's trying to build a new Berlin Wall to keep us in more than keep them out. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I, I hear you, Don. Uh, thanks uh, for your thoughts there. And, you know, I don't disagree. I mean, just to be clear, uh, it's not the uh, the the Republicans, uh, Roger Stone or anyone else who's, who's building gulags and uh, gulags are, are, are killing people. But uh, he's referring to uh, how closely they are aligned with. Russia, which used to be the Soviet Union, et cetera, et cetera. At least that's uh, his take on things. 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, Lewis in Riverside, California. Hey, Lewis, welcome to the broadcast. Yes, uh, I think also the the shutdown took uh, the uh, media away from media attention from children, the children and the immigrant uh uh, that, that were being illegally incarcerated. But my, my real question is, why doesn't the rest of the world say something about this? Uh, about which part of it? <laughs> which, yeah. how, about, how about just incarcerating children? How about that? Well, uh, you know well, what? I, I, I don't know, you might know, but why? Why? Why doesn't someone say something? Well, to be fair, I think that uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, uh, but I do, th- I, I seem to remember, well, two, oh, two points on this. One, the media had already sort of moved on from the, uh, the, the, the kids in cages on the border. I do think uh, back when it was a really big story, I want to say last summer, that uh, there was a statement put out. Uh, don't quote me on this, but uh, by the U.N. sort of condemning this policy and, uh, you know, and others. But listen, the world's got its own goddamn problems right now. And, uh, you know, a lot of countries, I mean, nobody showed up to Davos, uh, Davos, Switzerland. I don't care about, you know, this this uh, uh, international economic conference. I don't care if they showed up or not. But 
Um, the prime minister of uh, of the UK did not show up because she's in the middle of this Brexit mess. The uh, president of France didn't show up, Macron, because he's dealing with protests. Uh, the world is kind of falling apart in the uh, absence of American leadership, it seems to me. And I think, uh, yeah. And that speaks to this premise I've been trying to get to KPFK for a long time. Yeah. Everything that goes wrong is is in is in the interest of these billionaires because yep. they're they're hitting the the poor in many fronts and keeps everyone disorganized. You're right. There is there is one con- mode. yeah there mode. there is one consistent uh, thing about all of these issues that we've been talking about. Uh, it works out really well for the millionaires and billionaires, doesn't it? Now 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 get this. Yeah. What if what if their efforts were to spurn a worldwide, not just a de- recession, I mean a depression, and we see um, our own you know GDP uh, expected mm-hmm. to be lowered over the years. Yep. And and I think that's the goal of these billionaires because they've got all the money. Every they're cash rich. The banks are cash rich. If there's a great depression worldwide, they win. And so any bad news, any bad news around the world, a hurricane, whether it be natural or something they created or something someone else created, maybe with their help, is new, good news for them because the the, the, the the end game is worldwide depression. They buy up everything for cents on the dollar. Thanks, Lewis. I, pre- I appreciate your call, my friend. Uh, we'll take a quick break here and come back with more of your calls at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Fly away. Fly away. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Brad, bradblog.com. Desi Doyen, uh, that you have been haranguing me for the past week, uh, and I know it's a story you're working on potentially for tomorrow's Green News Report. Yes. But I wanted to play that music, so it forced me <laughs> to let you have at least 30 seconds before we get back to the phones here. A lot of people want to talk about the shutdown to give you at least 30 seconds to talk about the butterfly issue here in California. Yes, and it's not really just in California. It's monarch butterflies across the country, but it's particularly acute here in California.
California, they just finished, biologists just finished the winter count, and they say that numbers of the California monarch butterfly have fallen 86 percent over just last year. Why? 99 percent since the ni- uh, in the last 20 years, and that's because of habitat destruction. 99 percent over yes. the past 20 years? And Why? they are heading into an extinction vortex, as in the numbers may not ever recover enough for the species itself to recover. It's because of habitat destruction, overuse of pesticides and herbicides. And there's a call going out from conservationists to say, hey, homeowners, farmers, you can help. Reduce your use of pesticides and herbicides, and also please plant milkweed. And this works across the country no matter where you are. Anyone can do that. Anyone, Anyone can, can plant, plant Any homeowner, anybody who's got access to land, plant milkweed to save the monarch butterfly. Just make sure it's a native plant to your area. And uh, why is it a problem if we lose all the monarch butterflies other than they're beautiful? Why, why well, is it a problem? Well, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, and it's a shame, but also because they are a keystone species that also feeds songbirds. And so there's a consequent drop in the songbird population as well when there aren't enough uh, monarch butterflies for them to eat. And what happens when we lose the songbirds? We lose the songs. <laughs> and we lose a lot more because, of course, you know, that's not just the beauty and the aesthetics that they bring, but it's part of the food web. You pull any part of it, it's like a Jenga tower. Something is going to crash. Thank you. I'm glad we were able to get that in. Maybe we'll see maybe more uh, on uh, tomorrow's Green News Report on the broadcast. Back to your phones here, 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Tony in Panorama City. Hey, Tony, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Good afternoon, my friend. How can I help you? uh, uh, What I'm seeing is this. I'm seeing that this gentleman here that we call our president uh, happens to be playing a real good game of checkmate. And at the end of it, Mr. Schumer and Mr. Pelosi are not going to budge. And we've seen this. But at the end of the day, we got here Mr. 45 who's willing to say, yeah, let's go another three weeks. And if I don't get what I want, there it is, my national emergency. And we're all seeing that the beautiful Mr. Republicans over here uh, seem to understand that, hey, we're going to listen to this big ape. And, uh, and so you're saying he's got, so Tony, let me just review. You're saying that he's playing a chess game. He's going to end up deliver, uh, declaring a national emergency, which is going to allow him, in theory, he thinks it will allow him to take money, take taxpayer money from the military and put it into building a wall. You think that's going to stand up in, uh, in a court of law? Oh, come on, Brad. Look at what's going on now. The some bitch is already putting people already in the judicial system for his favor. All right, let's go. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Mike in L.A. Once again, a lot of dudes. Where are all the women? 818-985-KPFK. Give us a call. Uh, hey, Mike in L.A., uh, what do you think about all of this? Yeah, I just noticed uh, you were talking about how bad things are in other countries. I haven't heard of any other country where they shut down and went out of business because uh, their leader was having a tantrum. I think uh, Putin really got more than his money's worth with uh, <laughs> Mr. Trump. Uh, we are a laughingstock internationally. Uh, no one would see us as a reliable partner for any sort of uh, ally-type uh, of a deal. Well, uh, thanks. I appreciate that uh, call, Mike. Uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of ironic that Donald Trump is out there claiming we, the U.S., is a laughing stock because of our immigration policies when obviously he's turned this nation into a laughing stock. Anthony from Ridgecrest, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yeah, um, 
I think Trump absolutely uh, needs to do something. Well, I think he needs that wall because as those contracts goes out, he's going to get 10% off the top, and he kind of needs that money to keep people mouth shut. Like the Stormy Daniels thing, that was like $100,000 to keep your mouth shut. No, he's did you say Anthony? Hang on, Anthony. Did you say uh, he he needs a war or he needs a wall? Um, well, he he needs a well. He doesn't need absolutely need a wall. He needs a slush fund that he could take ten percent off the top uh, kickbacks to get money for hush money to keep people's mouths shut. (laughs) Because he's into the hundred million dollar, so um, he's in a real tough position and. Roger Stone um, knows enough stuff to bury him, so he's going to uh, have to protect him. Uh, matter of fact, I grew up with Roger Stone. He was my neighbor, oh. and he he used to wear a shooting shirt and tie and suit and carry a briefcase going to school because he was going to be. He said he was going to be president uh, when he grew up. Really? So um, uh, that guy is <laughs> as, as wacky as um, uh, Trump. <laughs> Where what where Anthony where was that where, where did he grow up and where did you grow up uh, I guess Louisville, New York oh in New York okay uh, he was my next door day neighbor and uh, he sat next to me in English class was he always a dirty trickster was he always up to no good um I don't know if he was up to no good back then but um we would argue politics in the middle of English class um and he was he was totally one. On the right, and I was totally on the left. Some things never change. Uh, I got to jump. Anthony, thanks for that call. I appreciate it. Do I have, yeah, let me do this about 30 seconds each, if you can do it really quickly. Scott in L.A., Morris, stand by. Scott, what do you got? Okay, here's my take. Uh, he's going to declare a national emergency, knowing full well it's going to go into the courts and, and it'll never get resolved, but he'll use it as a weapon against the Democrats and against the Congress. And he'll claim victory and say that uh, the Democrats don't want to secure mm-hmm. the borders and use it. I don't think you're wrong. That was what I was predicting about a month ago when this all started. Thanks for that call. And finally, Morris from Long Beach. Hey, Mo, what you got for us? I'm going to tell you, when, when uh, Homeboy saw Roger Stone's house being raided by the FBI, yeah. that, made an, that made an impression. I know about all this other stuff people be articulating. Look, I saw it on CNN. That made an impression on Donald Trump, okay? And that situation with the wall, that ain't nothing but a manufactured crisis, okay? And he ain't going to shut the government down again because the FBI, when they went to do that raid on Stone's place, they did that one for free. Talk to you later. Thanks, Mo. I appreciate it. And thanks to all of you for uh, calling in today. Sorry I couldn't get to everyone. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my engineer, D'Angelo Jones, uh, and everyone for spending a portion of their day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, follow and share us there. I am simply the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. So-